Welcome to the first session of the 90th General Assembly. It's the beginning of another two-year Iowa General Assembly, where the majority party has expanded their number of seats. 34 Republican senators will take their seats and will comprise the first supermajority in this chamber in half a century. From IPR News, this is the legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. A proposal gaining most of the attention would allow more public money to be placed in education savings accounts to pay for private school education. Income should not impact children's access to educational institutions that will best fit their needs. A proposal Democrats oppose. This unpopular scheme will send public money, your taxpayer dollars, to unaccountable private schools. The Senate has already held a subcommittee for this proposal to hear public input. Public schools are required to meet the needs of all of their students. Catholic education is the right choice for my family. And the governor makes her case during the condition of the state. If we're really going to make sure that every child has a quality education, then we have to set aside this us versus them mentality. I'm John Pimble. This is Under the Golden Dome, for the week ending January 13th, 2023. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Will the following senators come to the well to take the oath of office? The senator from Woodbury. On the first day of the 90th Iowa General Assembly, one third of the legislators are new. Senators are sworn in in groups. Many do so with a Bible, but Democratic Senator Liz Bennett uses a copy of the book Grapes of Wrath, and Democratic Senator Herman Korbuck uses a book of Iowa Code. Will Senator Sinclair please come to the rostrum to take the oath of office? There is a change in leadership. Republican Senator Amy Sinclair is now the Senate's president. As I look around this morning, I see many new faces filling the desks of the Senate chamber. Most of which are Republicans. During the last election, they gained more seats and now occupy two-thirds of the body, giving them a supermajority. All Iowa families should have the opportunity to send their ch- children to the school of that best meets their needs and reflects their family's values and moral fiber. President Sinclair uses her opening day remarks to advocate allocating state money to help pay for private school tuition. The fact is, Iowa already invests in non-public educational opportunities for Iowa students. Both our statewide preschools for four-year-olds and the Iowa tuition grant and other various state loan repayment programs at the secondary level utilize non-public providers. Opening day comments are an opportunity to announce goals and suggest what may come this year. With rising assessments on property, Senate Republicans are listening to the concerns of the taxpayer and now look to reduce that, reduce that property tax burden in a very meaningful way. Keeping residential, agricultural, and commercial property taxes at low rates will make Iowa a more competitive state in our nation's broader economy. Senate Majority Leader Jack Woodfer also mentions property taxes during his opening day speech. Iowans pay some of the highest property taxes in the country, and the system responsible for that problem wasn't built overnight, and the solution to it won't be either. Leader Woodfer says while property taxes are decided at the local level, the legislature could pass a bill requiring changes. 
Whitfer also says the state's workforce shortage continues to be a challenge in 2023. We will continue to work on reforms to get more Iowans into the workforce. A tax code that incentivizes work, equipping Iowans with the skills they need for those opportunities, and ensuring public assistance programs focus on those Iowans most in need are all policy goals we will continue to pursue. The value and dignity of work is what has made America the greatest country in the world. It is vital that we protect that heritage. Senate Minority Leader Zach Walls begins his speech by acknowledging United Auto Workers and employees in the food ingredient industry who are on strike in eastern Iowa. From food to heavy machinery and everything in between, Iowa workers produce the goods our society needs to thrive and they deserve a living wage and livable benefits for doing it. Leader Walls says slow growth in state population is a contributing factor to some of the workforce shortages, a lack of child care and health care, especially in rural areas. Our nursing crisis was worsened by the pandemic, but it was happening before COVID-19 and it will only get worse unless this chamber does something serious to fix it. Jobs like these, nursing, teaching and manufacturing, these are the foundation of Iowa's middle class. They provide stable incomes for families, they anchor communities, and they make our state work. Do you solemnly swear that you will support the Constitution of the United States? In the House of Representatives, U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley, a former member of the Iowa legislature, administers the oath of office to his grandson, Speaker of the House, Pat Grassley. Uh, I want to thank my grandfather for coming in here. We were just talking, and I just realized for the first time after being sworn in again um, as a legislator, I now will have served longer in the State House than he served. I will guarantee you I will still not be doing this, though, um, as long as he has. Either way, so... Speaker Pat Grassley also speaks about workforce, taxes, and unspecified social issues. We're crafting creative solutions to the issues that have plagued our state for years, like workforce shortages. We're digging deep into the issues that are oftentimes deemed too complicated to address, like property tax. And we're acting on the concerns we hear consistently from our constituents and are pushing back against the radical social agenda being forced upon us and our children by the left. Let's remember families who want to be able to live their lives without our interference, no matter what the family looks like, who they love, or how they live. During Minority Leader Jennifer Conforst's opening day speech, She talks about abortion rights, legalizing marijuana, and public schools. Our foundation of strong public schools is what got most of us here today. It's those same public schools that will educate the majority of Iowans and build the next generation of leaders like us. Let's make sure we give all students the best start possible. Majority Leader Matt Winchittle says there will be proposals concerning firearms, especially after the recent passage of a state constitutional amendment about the Second Amendment. What we call the Freedom Amendment, or the 2A Proposition 1 that was on the ballot, passed with overwhelming support. It got more votes statewide than any of the statewide elected officials. What that tells me is that Iowans want their freedoms protected. They want to make sure that those things are enshrined in the state constitution so that the government can't come and take their freedoms away. And so as we look towards advancing Iowans' freedoms in any regard, whether it's just Second Amendment virtues or their everyday life, I think the message is clear and we need to look through every legislation we do through that lens of how are we making Iowans more free? How are we getting government out of their way or making government work for them instead of against them? In the first week, most leaders allude to proposals, but one elected official 
is very specific. On day two, the governor delivers a condition of the state address with identified priorities, potential pathways to making them happen, and submits an $8.4 billion budget. You're listening to the podcast Under the Golden Dome from IPR News. I'm John Pemble. This is the sixth time I've addressed you from this chamber to report on the condition of the state. In the House of Representatives chamber, senators joined their legislative colleagues with other officeholders, Supreme Court justices, and special guests as Governor Kim Reynolds gives an evening condition of the state address. Through natural disasters, a pandemic, a nationwide recession, and more, Iowa's status as a beacon for freedom and opportunity has endured. Governor Reynolds boasts about what she considers to be positive accomplishments from the Republican-controlled legislative body during the past six years. We've been told time and time again that our bold agenda would wreck our economy, demolish our education system, and lead to the collapse of state government. We've heard these accusations from political opponents, as expected, but we've also heard them from members of the media and even so-called experts. She praises the changes that reduced what public employees can negotiate for in collective bargaining, changes to tax laws, and how she wanted schools to reopen during the first year of the pandemic. Some of our toughest decisions, the one that sparked the ones that sparked the angriest attacks, came during the pandemic. Reynolds attacks a media organization for its reporting on the conflict between school districts and state government's process to require in-person learning. The story she cites was published in August 2020, months before a COVID-19 vaccine was available. The Associated Press, in a news article, not an opinion piece, said that my aggressive push to reopen schools had, quote, descended into chaos, creating a tension between science and politics. In other words, one of the country's oldest news organizations, which says it's dedicated to factual reporting, said that keeping schools closed was just good science, while reopening them was just politics. Reynolds says those who have opposed her agenda in recent years are wrong, and their accusations haven't aged well. The pundits said we were wrong, the experts condemned us, and they underestimated our resolve. But none of that matters. It doesn't matter because the people of Iowa were with us. They wanted us to stand our ground. They expected us to be strong. And we stood the strongest when it mattered most, when, we, when it was about our children. And here's the thing. I would do it all over again. And what I've come here tonight to tell you is that I will do it again. More importantly, that we will do it again. As expected, she makes a case for investing in education savings accounts, or ESAs. These are funds from the state that would pay for private school education. You know, some families may want an education that conforms to their faith and moral convictions. Some kids have ambitions and abilities that require a unique educational setting. Others may experience bullying or have special needs. Regardless of the reason, every parent should have a choice of where to send their child. And that should not be limited to families who can afford it. The proposal would cap it at around $100 million in the first year. 
The amount per student is similar to the amount the state spends for one student to attend a public school. She is also proposing a 2.5 percent increase of funding for public schools next fiscal year. That's around $83 million more than the last fiscal year. A figure Democrats say is not enough. If your only idea is more funding, then you're not putting in the work and you're not really focused on our children. Today we spend $3.6 billion on pre-K-12 education, a billion more than we did in 2012. That's a 37% increase. There are states that spend much less with better results. The governor moves on to abortion. Presently, an Iowa law prohibiting abortion after six weeks of pregnancy is not enforceable, but the administration is seeking to have it reinstated through the courts. Reynolds doesn't propose new abortion restriction legislation, but she does encourage support for moms. That stands for more options for maternal support. When fully operational, this statewide net- network of nonprofits will connect women with pregnancy support services including safety net resources, housing assistance, and recovery and mental health treatment. It sends a powerful message that a pro-life state is one that surrounds every person involved in a pregnancy. MOMS was created last year and allocated $1 million. It allows the Iowa Department of Human Services to contract with nonprofit organizations that offer non-medical pregnancy support services like counseling. But these organizations cannot refer abortion as an option. So tonight, I'm calling on the legislature to expand the MOMS program to promote paternal involvement and address the needs of fathers. This new funding would allow us to provide nonprofit grants to assist at-risk dads, as well as mentorships for school-age males. The governor offers a solution to the shortage of medical services, particularly in the rural areas of the state. Increasing funding for the health care apprenticeship program that we created last year, taking it from 3 to 15 million, in addition to expanding opportunities for nursing pathways, we'll be adding apprenticeships for emergency medical services, mental and behavioral health, and direct support professionals. Governor Reynolds wants penalties to increase for those who distribute or manufacture fentanyl, but she also wants to help people responding to fentanyl overdoses. Today, only pharmacists can distribute naloxone, the drug that reverses the effects of an overdose. So let's change that. Let's give our first responders the tools that they need to save lives and allow them to get naloxone into the hands of individuals who need it most. One of her final proposals of the evening is to reduce the number of state cabinet agencies from 36 to 16. She says it will streamline operations and make Iowa a better state. Together, we've built a strong foundation upon which Iowa can continue to rise. A place where families thrive, businesses grow, and government is responsive to the people. Now we have a chance to do it again to enact policies that put Iowans above bureaucratic systems and special interest, that thinks big, aims high, and makes Iowa a place where everyone has the freedom to flourish. This is what Iowans expect. It's what they deserve. And I'm 
confident it's what we will do. Thank you for the honor to serve as the governor of this amazing state. God bless you all, and God bless the great state of Iowa. Thank you. Governor Kim Reynolds addressing a packed room with all 150 legislators, state officials, judges, and many guests in the Iowa House of Representatives chamber on the second day of the 2023 legislative session. The governor's proposal for funding education savings accounts for private schools has already advanced from a Senate subcommittee. Democrats say it will lead to less funding for public education. The governor proposes new spending of $107 million for vouchers for private schools. In contrast, the governor is proposing only an $83 million increase for the public schools. But Republicans say it won't hurt public schools. There is no diversion of money from public schools to private schools. That is not true. The proposal may now come before the full Senate Education Committee for consideration. This is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. We follow some of the legislative movements and bring you a perspective of how policies and proposals move through the session. This podcast relies on the help from IPR news reporters, including State House reporter Katarina Sostarik, Grant Gerlock, as well as our talk show team. Script editor for this episode is news director Michael Leland. Show guidance and connectivity to a few things here and there comes from news program director Catherine Perkins. Episodes are available at the end of the week from iowapublicradio.org and the usual podcast providers. If you subscribe to this podcast, you'll be sure to see when a new episode is available faster than, well, maybe not the speed of light, but pretty fast. I'm John Pimple. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.